Riding downtown in New York City. I know you wanna be there. I bring DC you in. Party in the club like that track from Fitty. Cause life is so good. Let's go and vibe with me. Riding downtown in New York City. I know you wanna be there. I bring you with me. This is what I'm doing. Tell me that you wanna do it with Welcome me. Welcome back, everybody, to Dare to Rise. I'm your host, Nicole. With me, as always, is my partner in crime, Tina K. How, How are, are you? you? I'm well, we're so in sync. We talk literally every day, multiple times a day. So clearly we're in sync with our thought processes. <laughs> it's almost like we're friends or something. So yeah, something like that. But um, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, I have been feeling a little depleted with my energy lately. And I had to go to the Lotus yesterday, meet a friend, drink an elixir. Oh yeah. Those are Stephanie's Lotus. Um, the Lotus is amazing. Their cafe that they have there with their drinks and foods and stuff like that. So supporting local business is always awesome. And also the elixirs are pretty freaking awesome too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so then I got a chance to go and participate in one of the yoga sessions too. So you did. Oh my gosh. It was amazing. And it's probably exactly what I needed. Like the universe just was like first time. Okay. I didn't really know what I was doing, but it was called yoga Nidra and basically, um, like a really relaxate, a relaxation technique. That's almost like the verge of sleeping, but not. Mm. And, um, I really didn't know what to expect. I Googled it last night after I came home. Cause I felt so good. Um, so I feel like I'm an addict in a good way. Like they have another session Sunday. I'll probably go good. Yeah. You would feed your soul mm-hmm. and more elixir who can oh, pass that up. Absolutely. What about you? Um, well, I, um, something I was super excited. I got the first vaccination on Mm. Monday. So I was super excited for that. I've been looking forward to having that, um, or being able to do that. And so I'm glad that I was finally, um, had the opportunity to get the vaccination or the first dose, I should say. And then I finally, um, this is kind of just a random thing, but I was heartbroken. (laughs) I finally finished Schitt's Creek on Netflix. Oh my gosh. I did too. (laughs) I was like, I, I kept putting it off because I don't want it to be over. Like David Rose and I are, I don't want this to end. Like I need this to continue. And so I kept like putting it off and putting it off. And it's like, you've already finished like half of season six. You just have to finish it, Nicole. Mm -hmm. And I finally did. And I was just like, it's so good. Like, I just love it. It is just such a happy, uplifting, fun. It's just everything. I absolutely love Shit's Creek. It's one of my favorite series probably ever. Oh my gosh. I can't believe we didn't talk about this in all the phone calls we have every day, (laughs) (laughs) but I love that. I just barely finished watching it too recently. So see, we are sisters. We are, aren't we? (laughs) No. Um, but seriously, I just, I, I love Netflix. I love being able to, that's one thing about quarantine. That's been really nice is kind of being able to binge watch or just get into things that you would never have probably taken the time to check out, um, documentaries or anything oh like gosh, that. Yeah. So it's actually been really, um, really good and everything. And, um, 
Yeah. So I don't know. I just had to give a shout out to that series because I absolutely love it. Shout out. (laughs) Yes. So, um, but we're so excited tonight, guys. We have a special guest. All of our guests are special, but again, (laughs) we always say we're so fortunate to be able to share our platform with people's stories and um, every single person that we're able to cross paths with. It's really such a big honor for Dare to Rise. And our person, our special guest tonight is Sonia Watkins. She is a fifth generation Arizonian and in the seventies met her sweetheart, Greg, in the warmth of the Valley of the Sun. They married and raised three sons near the neighborhood they both grew up in. Sonia's profession in elementary education started as a volunteer and then involved to elected school board member and then assistant principal of her neighborhood school. She now works as a freelance writer and speaker, and she gains her strength from her family and holds them along with her Christian faith of the greatest value. In 2019, Sonia unexpectedly lost her son, Ronnie, also known as First, to an accidental drug overdose. Learning that Ronnie was an OG original gangster is one of the lar- in, in one of the largest street art gangs in Phoenix wasn't the only surprise she learned from his death. In her memoir, memoir Love First, Sonia tells of her painful yet exquisite and unexpected lesson she learned about the pure love of Christ through the example her son Ronnie lived. Sonia Watkins, welcome to Dare to Rise. Hey, welcome. Thank you, ladies. Thank you so much. I've been kind of, this is my first podcast, so excited. But truly, we really are so honored that you you chose Dare to Rise to, you know, come share your story and share our platform together and um, tell us more about you and our audience, about you and your book. Um, So tell us how your week's been before we jump into the interview. How have you been? My week's been really good. I was up in Utah last week and came home to thaw out a little bit. And it's gorgeous weather here. I don't want to stab you guys too much about it, but it's just been beautiful here. Beautiful. This is typical Arizona in the spring. Starts pretty early. But um, we always like like it. But about the time you guys are thawing out, we're getting heated up. So <laughs> it's all equal. Right? Actually, um, this but I've had a really good week. Nice. Oh, I love that. No, I was going to tell you, it actually has been nice, surprisingly, just so um, I think it's been it's supposed to be in the 60s this weekend and everything. So we're, we're catching up to Arizona, wow. but not too much of catching up because I, I don't think I could handle the whole baking in the sun thing for too long. <laughs> you know what? I've lived here my whole life and we just closed on land in Utah and are moving there for that reason alone. <laughs> I love it, but it does get old after a while and it's hotter. So every summer, new records. <laughs> anyway, other than that, my week has been really, really good. Really good. I've had a really great week getting ready for I'm riding away like I'm trying to finish up my book and that's why I was in Utah last week um was at the same conf- or same little retreat that Tino K was at mm-hmm. uh it's called a finish up your manuscript book <laughs> neither one of us are finished but we both have goals to get it finished this year so that's right so that's kind of what I've been working on all week is getting that done Well, let's talk about your book. So your upcoming book is called Love First. So tell us about your book and your your writing journey. Well, I never, ever dreamt in my whole life I'd write a book. This isn't something that's even in my, even close to my wheelhouse. So I am a suburban mom, just like any other mom that raised kids. Um, I'm older now. My kids are all grown. 
I've just had a not usual life as a suburban mom. I um, I had a pretty rough upbringing and was molested as a child and kind of been outspoken about that and talked to a lot of people about that, trying to help others who go through it to feel brave enough to come out about that. Um, also, when I was 14 years old, got pregnant and gave a baby up for adoption at 15 years old and found my my little baby who is like 45 years old now and he lives in um in Nevada and we've become really close that's a whole nother book in itself um I've married the sweetheart of my dreams and we've managed to get through a lot of chaos and a lot of trauma and lived to say that we've been married for 42 years is really a big accomplishment to me. But the worst thing on earth to me happened to me a few years ago, and that's when I lost my son to a drug overdose. And just in, you can't help but go over your life when you lose a child. And and it just brought out all these emotions. And I had a lot of friends tell me, you need to write a book, you need to write a book. You, nobody goes through as much as you'd go through, have gone through and not tell your story to help others. And I just happened to get connected to one person that got connected to another that connected me to a brilliant woman that teaches you how to write. I think Tina would agree with me. She's a brilliant woman. Yes, and, she is. Um, and I just started writing. And I will tell you that there has not been, there's no amount of therapy in my life that could ever equate to the amount of um, wonderful things that have come out of just writing out your life and working on that. And, but my goal really is, is not the therapy that just was a, a wonderful sidestep to it. But the goal was to try to help people um, in this world of chaos and, and, judgment, um, racism, hate, you name it. I never believed in my lifetime I'd see a world like it is today, especially in the last couple of years. When I sat in the stands of the church where my son was, his funeral was going on and my husband and I were sitting up on the stand and, and to give a kind of visual that you couldn't really, really understand unless you saw it is that we had all of our friends there and they were all in suits and black shirts and ties. I like to call them the white shirt and tie people. And in the back, all these people were, I thought somebody was kind of in the room. All these people were um, lining up and, and filling this chapel in this, in, into the overflow area. They were in these black t-shirts and, and not anything that um, you would expect in, my life. I'm a white suburban housewife. My and my son was six foot four, blonde or blue eyed, and everybody there was of a different race and um, had T-shirts on that said on the back "Rest in Peace" first. And my husband and I were just squeezing each other's hands like, "What the heck?" And I had written down on a piece of paper, "I've got to know these people." And I've spent the last two years getting to know them. And I've learned that that no matter what kind of person you are, most everybody on earth, no matter many, how many mistakes they make, what kind of life they live, most people want the same thing. We all want for our children. <clears throat> Sorry, I get a little emotional. 
try not to do that. Um, we want better for our children, and we want to. Um, we want uh, we want people to see us for the good that we are, and not the bad. And I always try to see the good in people. Now, mm-hmm. my son um, Ronnie. We didn't learn. We started having trouble. He died when he was 36. Um, we started seeing troubles with him when he was 14. He'd been in prison twice for selling marijuana that is now legal in Arizona. Became legal the year after he died. Um, he became a heroin addict in the prison system. That's another whole story that I could do a whole show for you on that. The prison system and yes, rehabilitation. Sonia- yeah. yeah. Pause you for a second. I know that's a whole other story. Yeah. But you shared that with me. You know, someone goes in, and I know it was marijuana was illegal at the time, but to actually mm-hmm. go in and get addicted to heroin because of the prison system and and everything that goes on in there and the financial part of of uh, just the. I can't even think of the words to describe, but you going in debt to support your son who ends up being addicted to a drug that he should never have had access to in prison, nor was he familiar with it. So well, I, I don't, for his friends that might listen to will will be listening to this later. I know they all will. Um, he, I won't say that he wasn't familiar with it. He wasn't familiar with taking it, but he was familiar with, he was very familiar with the drug scene because many of his friends were into those things and he'd helped them. This is what I learned about when he died. It was such a sight when he was, we were at the the viewing the night before. And I kind of set up untraditional to our faith to do it at a different place in case many of his friends didn't have any faith or didn't, you know, didn't want to feel comfortable in a church. I didn't know. I just, so I was trying to make everybody feel comfortable. So I set this up at, or we set this up at the um, funeral home and these guys were just showing up in droves and they were coming up to me and my husband in droves. I mean, I can't describe it where people were saying my I want to meet the mom of this of Ronnie Watkins or first, most of them called him first. He um, bought me a car. I was a single mom and I didn't have any way to get to work. So he bought me a car, another, um, uh, champion boxer, woman boxer came up to me and said that my son was the reason she became a champion boxer because he would go get her out of bed every morning, get her, a. uh, energy drink and get her to the gym. And he did that for a year. And, and just to be sure, because he had faith in him or he had faith in her. Um, another guy has since Ronnie passed away, opened up a tattoo parlor and is highly successful and kind of becoming known for his, for his work. He's really good tattooist in here in Phoenix and has won all kinds of awards on the front of his tattoo parlor. His name is painted on the front of it. And he gives credit to him, encouraging him and saying he had faith in him. And these are just a few stories. And my husband and I had no idea. We had no idea. I learned that at 14 years old, he went to a man who was quite a little bit older than him at the time, um in phoenix that was kind of known for starting this gang it's called emt and um he at 14 went to him and asked him to be in the gang and the guy was like looking at him like hey dude you know he's a mexican guy's name's andy he's so wonderful we're really good friends to laugh about this but he's like 
uh, do go to school because Ronnie shows up in his, I don't know if you, you guys might be too young, but the IZOD t-shirts and, and oh, he had yeah. Ralph Lauren shorts and his <laughs> Nike shoes, you know, his, his Jordans. And he shows up at this door with his hair all nice and perfect. And the guy's like, go home, go to school. And I guess Ronnie bugged him forever to be in this gang. And finally, Andy, Ronnie invited Andy to a party that was at our house and we were out of town. I kind of remember the party after Andy reminded me about it. Anyway, <laughs> um, Andy said that there was just tons of people there and he kept watching this kid and all his friends were telling Andy, don't let this kid in. He's, you know, he's just a white kid with, he's a prepper, that preppy. I mean, that just too smart. He's a football player, which was true. He plays baseball. He doesn't, he doesn't even belong here. And Andy said he watched him and he was like the hostess of the most is making sure everybody was taken care of and they weren't drinking too much. And 14 years old, I'm dying. Like I'm not painting a picture that my son was perfect because he was not. And, um, Andy let him in the gang and, I wanted to hit Andy when he told me that because that was that I can't understand. That's the part I'm trying to find out is what caused him to go off the deep end. But he did. And his early 20s, late teens and early 20s, he spent a lot of time in jail. But most of his his teenage years was spent in jail off and on. He managed to get his GED in school, I mean, in prison. And the prison teacher told me, I don't know what his problem is. He's one of the smartest kids I've ever, I've ever taught in here. And he really was. Um, but that's the point I'm trying to make is that we kept thinking that he was off the deep end because he wasn't living the life like that we thought he was supposed to live. And that he, I, I've always saw the good in my son. Like I always saw the good as his mom, but I always worried about the bad. And there was a lot of it. Well, what happened to him is he went to prison twice for possession of marijuana. The second time was because uh, a pro it becomes a probation violation and there was a gun involved and he, he didn't get in any gunfight or anything, but the gun was on him and you're not supposed to have a gun as a felon. So he went back to prison and in prison he changed and that's when he got involved with drugs and that kind of thing um, or in taking them, I should say. Um, when he came out, he was a changed man. He, he was a lot softer, a lot kinder. I'm not saying he was perfect even then, but I saw a change and then a man that just wanted a job and just wanted to work and just be normal. And, and that's the part that's hard is for me is that people, you know, people can forgive, but the world really doesn't in our country. People pay a price, they go to prison, they pay the price, but those felonies stick with you forever. And for somebody like him, it shouldn't have, in my, in my opinion. But so my quest is to write a book about judgment and how even as mom and dad, that we, as a family, we, we judged that he judged them. I hate even saying it. it's really hard to say, but we did. And little did he, we know we're sitting in this church and we do this funeral and he is far better Christian than any of us because he gave everything he had to all his friends all the time. He loved his friends and I judged his friends more than I judged him. 
his whole life. Right. You know, it was always the friend's fault. Always the friend's fault. I remember one time having a conversation with him and, and I was like, you know what? Stop hanging out with so-and-so. I don't even remember who it was, but it was probably, I won't even say, but they're laughing because they'll know, but um, <laughs> I, <laughs> they'll know. They're like, don't um, share I always the secret, Sonia. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it, yeah, they'll know who I'm talking and they'll laugh because I've kind of talked to them about it. I used to blame them all the time. Like, dang, Ronnie, you don't belong in that group. You just, I don't understand. You're better than that. And one time Ronnie looked at me and he said, mom, do you ever think that their parents are saying the same thing about me? And it, it just hit me like, wow, you're right, you know, and I, it took me a long time to see that and that stuck in my head a long time. But as parents, we, in my view, sometimes we we judge things. I just happened to have a son that had to learn the hard way, yet in all of the ways that he learned, he did learn, but the world wouldn't, I hope I'm making some kind of sense, the world wouldn't let him be normal. I mean, if he got pulled over for in a in the car for speeding, little small thing, they pulled up pulled up his name. He was head first in the pavement, spread eagle as a felon for no apparent reason. It happened to him lots of times. Um I'm not again, I, I don't want to paint a picture that he was perfect, but he did change his life and he couldn't get out of it. He was clean for 10 years, and in the end, I think he was panicking because he had lost a job again, couldn't get, he, he had saved a bunch of money, was living off his savings and was living with us, and he couldn't, it's hard to say, but he couldn't get, um, couldn't get a job. We found his computer trying to find jobs, and there were a lot of rejections. Mm -hmm. So, Sonia, so that's what my book is about is judgment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our podcast is dare to rise for a reason. You know, we're all going through so many challenges and our children, and we're just trying to do the best we can. And I know your book is going to show those ebbs and flows of, of how Ronnie dared to rise and just the challenges that kind of kept bringing him down. And so now after his death and you have been going through all this healing, how, how have you been able to dare to rise with all these emotions and the growth actually that you're coming out of this sorrow? Um, how have you dared to rise? You know, grief is hard and it hits you when you're not looking. And I don't know that I'm ever going to get over it, but um, I think dare to rise for me is being able to, excuse me, being able to admit that I was, I was wrong and being a mom sometimes I wasn't perfect. Being able to see the good in people so much easier for me to sit, see the good. And I go into dark places now where I would have never, never um, gone into certain parts of town where his friends live and, and meet up with them. And, and they're the most wonderful people. Um, one of the friends that I've gotten to know quite well is a, a, a mom of one of his friends who approached me at his funeral 
and she's got some um she's got some addiction issues that she deals with all the time and I'll never forget when we were talking and she had asked me to be her sponsor one time and we didn't even know each other and she just she just said that the love that you show for your children are is just so inspiring to her and I was like well I see the same thing in you and she didn't you know and but I'll never forget her saying to me I never dreamt that a rich white girl like you would be my friend and I would love you the way I love you. And it hit me, rich white girl. Like, I don't even know how to even respond to that because I, first off, in my view, I'm not rich, but isn't that perspective? Like it hit me like, Mm -hmm. wow, to some people I might be. Um, The fact that I was a a white girl and she's Hispanic and Indian mix and um, Native American. Um, she, she told me, she says, I was taught and raised to not like people like you, you know, and she said, I never could see. So the racism goes both ways, or I wouldn't even call that racism. I call it misunderstanding, misunderstanding of cultures, too afraid to go into places that you're not used to or feel uncomfortable in. Um, yeah, there's dangerous places. I'm not being dumb and naive, but most people just want to be loved, just want to be respected, just want to be um, treated equal. Just, And I have learned to do that because of my son. And I'm so grateful for that in this day and age when, when um, it, it's being brought to the forefront more. And I think in most people, more, most people want to be, want to be kind to one another, and, but, but so many don't. And it needs to be called out more and not necessarily in a hateful way. And um, my ideas sometimes seem utopian when I hear myself talk about it and I'm not trying to be, I'm just trying to be, let's be decent and be kind and be brave. Go my dare to rise. I've had a lot of them, a lot of dare to rises. I can go on and on, but the one with since Ronnie's death has been, finding myself being more open to everything and everybody, no matter what their beliefs are. I might not agree. And I, you'll never even know because I don't even tell you. (laughs) I just, I, I'm just so fascinated with the ways of life and the people that I meet and love, 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 love to listen to other ideas. And I think that's how my son was. I remember being at the grave site when they were getting ready to bury him. And there's all these people there and, and his friends couldn't leave and they were having a hard time. And my husband and I allowed him to graffiti all over his cap. And they were just so hepped up about it. They were so excited. And um, I remember just standing there and say, I wanted to know two things, how his, his name first came about, like, and he spelled it F-E-R-S-T. So it's different, which is very common amongst um, graffiti artists and stuff when they have tag names like that. There's, they're spelled in all different ways, but he, they all looked around at each other. Wasn't he a baseball player? And I'm like, yeah, didn't he play first base? And it was that simple. That's all it was. <laughs> they called him first. And then the other thing I said is how did this, it's very obvious looking at all of you that my, you know, six foot four blonde hair, blue height boy doesn't quite fit into this Hispanic, you know, group. Cause it's mostly Hispanic. And, um, and they all laughed and said, Ronnie was white. 
And that was what was really funny because that was the point they were trying to make to me. Ronnie didn't make it. It did not make a difference to him it, at all. And it shouldn't tell you either. If, it shouldn't. And it was such, it but it was an example to me of a person, you know, anybody that knows anything about gangs in nineties, they were very racist, very, or they are very divided and still are in some ways they really are um to ronnie and that gang he was one of the top four original members of that gang that is still going on and is all over western united states and i have to put it in there for emt (laughs) (laughs) and they are mostly just a string street art community that they i'm i'm kind of putting a romantic twist on they they do graffiti but they're trying really hard to keep it on legal walls in the cities and working with the cities to make, make spaces for them to be able to do that. And in Phoenix, they have large, large spaces where business owners and stuff allow them to do that. It's kind of a, kind of a neat thing. I have always hated graffiti because Ronnie at 14 years old was like placing first all over his bedroom walls and everything. And we just couldn't figure out what in the world. And in the nineties, gangs were pretty scary, you know, and um, now there isn't a city I go into that I don't seek it out and look for it. And, and his name is almost everywhere people go, they put his name and they'll send me pictures of, Hey, I'm in Seattle and I put it here they put a big tribute still in Phoenix to my son. He was really well loved. And I want to just show his example across all walks of life that you can be a good person, no matter what your past, no matter what your religion, your or lack of religion or, or your sexual desires. It doesn't matter. You can be a good person. And that's my that's my dare to rise out of my son, Ronnie. Well, I have to tell you, listening to what you're sharing, I have two boys and my boys are little, but I just have to tell you, my heart goes out to you. Cause I, I, like you were just describing, I don't even know how you could, I don't think you ever will get over a loss of one of your children. I think that's just that grief and the the pain in your heart. I think that would sit with you forever and everything. So my heart goes out to you with that. I do have to share Thank with you. you. I think it's so beautiful though, that you are able to take again from tragedy. You're able to find beauty in this tragedy by recognizing people for who they are inside. We always, it's so easy for us as, and I'm going to say with you, it's society or our world um, that we look and we judge people on like this outside cover. And we don't like really like as a book, since you, you and Tina are authors, but we judge people on this outside, the outside cover of their book. And if we start opening those books and looking at those pages, we find so much in common and same dreams and hopes. Um, um, and and just aspirations for just their well-being or life and everything. But we don't take the time to even being willing to even open up the book to even see what it's about because we're just like, oh, you're different or you are from a different community or you're from a different side of the track, so to speak. And I think it's just um, your your story and what you're sharing is just showing that it doesn't matter. Like we're all human beings. We're all trying our very best and, you know, showing empathy and compassion towards one another. It, it shouldn't matter where you're from and where you live. We should just do that just naturally because we're all human beings 
that's and it really isn't as hard as it feels. I will tell you, you could have asked me these questions five years ago and I wouldn't have given the same answers. I was never a hateful person, never been that person. I've never been the person that um, that judged by race or anything like that. That hasn't been a deal for me, but but my son's choices were his choices. Mm-hmm. And I blamed groups of people for what he chose to do. And he, I belong to a very strong church that is very predominant in the state you live in. <laughs> and he, <laughs> I, I can't, I, I caught that. Uh, Did you get it? <laughs> I, I can't, I caught your drift, my friend. <laughs> yeah. And I am a very strong member of that church and love that church. But this is where I go out on a limb. I, I struggle for people like my son who went out beyond the walls of the church and did something different with their lives and learned a harder way who felt they couldn't repent or that they weren't good enough anymore. Roddy just flat out told me that, that God could never love him for the things he had done. And that's just not true. It's just not true. I've learned a lot about God through my son, and that's really miraculous. I've been going to the Mormon church my whole life. We're not Mormons anymore. We're Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. But I, um, I, I believe that I'm stronger in my knowledge and my relationship with Jesus Christ because of this. Faith, I will say, was rocked. Um, hard because everything that we believe in in our church is that our families are forever. Families are such a big part of our beliefs that of the hereafter and that kind of thing. Well, you know, before he died, I would have, I would have swore my guts out that that was true. But, but now I have to have faith to know that that's true. And I've had to really, I've had to really, really work deep in my guts to find that faith. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, and I think that it's like it, we know your specific religion and, and, um, but even mm-hmm. no matter what religion or spiritual beliefs or who you pray to, you know, it's these moments in our life that we experience loss of whatever, whatever that means, a loss of right. a child, loss of a relationship, a loss in a divorce, um, and question why things are happening and, and we probably will never know the answers, although I think sometimes we can look back and, and see what we've gained and how we've grown. And so I give you kudos for that because it's a hard and vulnerable journey to go on. Um, I wanted to um, ask you about the because I know the timing of your adopted son coming back into your life was very close to losing a child so can you talk to us a little bit about that yeah so I um didn't just to go back and then come forward really fast I won't make it long um he I mourned my whole life for him and so my whole adult life and a little bit of my teenage years, I um, mourned a loss of a child. But I tried to find him 
for years secretly. It was such a mourning thing that went on deep inside of me. Couldn't find him, couldn't find him, couldn't find him. Gave up finding, my name is on every adoption registry list out there to try to match me to somebody. They're still trying to match me because I keep forgetting that I have one out there and then I'll get an email, you know. But um, I, my mom passed away a few years ago and there was a great deal of um, conflict between her and I. And, but we worked it out before she passed away and I helped her go through, go through some really bad times. And she, she passed away, unfortunately, before we could fix everything. But she did say something right before she died. She said that she didn't understand why we thought we were Irish because we were, it was St. Patty's Day or something. And I was trying to do something Irish and we were raised really Irish roots, man. It was like super real. And so I was like, kind of everything's great mom, you know, and then she passes away. Yeah. Like that. And she passes away and I'm like, she told, she flat out told my sister and I that you're not Irish, you're Dutch. And that was the first we'd ever heard of that, you know, and she really passed away really fast. So we had no time to get this squared away. So a few years later, there was a um, ancestry.com had put out a Mother's Day discount. So I bought myself a Mother's Day gift and got myself a DNA test to find out if I was Irish. That was really the only reason. (laughs) And I am one of those typical cool ancestry stories that it came back and I am Irish, Irish, Irish. There's no Dutch in me. I don't know what that was all about, but right on the first line, I have a son and I was just like, whoa, it was like, I can't describe that. And that was only about nine months before Ronnie passed away. And I had a little bit of time. I immediately contacted him and he was, he was interested. He had great parents. He was raised. I was so relieved to hear that. Great parents, wonderful life, army veteran, just a really, really cool guy. And within a week, I'm in Vegas meeting him and getting to know him and trying to encourage my the children to kind of get to know each other. He was super reluctant at first, which was so understandable. And I um, kind of just laid back and let him take the reins. And so I was going by his, by his, um, I don't know, his lead, I guess, when he wanted to talk, when he didn't want to talk, Mm -hmm. we were meeting each other. He did tell me right up front when he, we met and we really, he realized I wasn't trying to get a kidney or anything. That's, (laughs) that's kind of a joke, but not a joke. Um, he, he came to Ronnie's funeral and surprised me and he had never met my family. And, um, it was quite the surprise. And the, the surreal thing is, is that he looks so much like, so much like my boys. It's just, and especially Ronnie and they're a lot alike in a lot of ways. So it, that's another thing I've just been kind of, I've written a lot about that. Uh, um, I call it sacredness of DNA. Um, It's a super duper weird thing, surreal to come face to face with blue eye. I have super blue eyes and his are super blue eyes and they're like my eyes in his sockets. And it's just weird to see his traits and see my dad in him and see, and he never knew my dad, see him say something or the way he stands or smiles and think, oh gosh, he looks just like Ronnie or something like that. It's just a really weird, really weird thing. But since Ronnie's um, death, we've become pretty close. And um, 
you know, it's, it's just been a, a rock and roll journey. My whole life has been like that. And I don't know why I feel so blessed and so um, grateful that I haven't fallen off the deep end because there's a lot of stuff in my life that could have, could have gone sideways. And for some reason I'm still plugging along. So that's another message in itself, but um, I just, I just believe in, in loving being love being it's so utopian sounds so ridiculous. So I feel like I'm a, I grew up in the seventies and, and <laughs> it's, it's feels like I need my hair under my armpits. Falling, no, you know, like the whole. Sonia, I have to tell you, I, I think change your, the verbiage you say, cause it, you're, I, what you're sharing needs to be shared. There's a reason why that continues to come to your forefront. And it's because right. that message needs to be shared. And the only reason why it seems utopian or, you know, um, naively optimistic is because our society, like you were saying the last couple of years, especially has become this divided, hateful, toxic energy in some spaces. So we need people like you and other people that are wanting it to be this beautiful, positive, um, loving utopia. So I just have to encourage you, your, your message needs to be shared. Heck, that's why you're here um, on Dare to Rise and everything, but everything you're saying is so poignant and it's so valid and it's so true. And that message needs to be shared because that's not what we're hearing. We're hearing negative and why we, why we shouldn't be, um, you know, sitting at the table together and why we shouldn't be having conversations because we think differently or we believe differently, or we look differently. We need these messages of hope and positivity and, and, and more importantly of acceptance, even if yeah. it's, a, if, if our differences, acceptances, acceptance of our differences, we need that. So I just wanted to encourage you and what you're sharing, there's a reason why that message keeps coming to you. Well, and I feel strongly that I have a duty to do it. I, I don't know why. It's just something that I it's your this, calling. seems. Yeah, it's my calling, I guess. And I was about to say, you know, it sounds all utopian, but I guess I would rather live in a utopian society than what we're living in right now. Absolutely. And, Be part of the change we want to see, right? Right, right. That's how I feel. I, you know, I grew up in, in, uh, the what was it called in the 60s the um, oh <laughs> i'm i just went blank oh dog um where the the civil rights movement started you know mm -hmm. and i remember as a little girl listening to my loved ones say things that were just even as a young girl i was like i was that hippie girl back then going why are they talking about people like that i have friends at school with that color skin you know or yeah. or whatever and it, and it but those people that i loved my my loved ones that were saying those things were good people too it's it's sort of like it's i don't know if it's an ignorance or a or a I think it's fear. I think it's ignorance yeah. though. It's because yeah. it, when you're unfamiliar with something, you know, exactly it, that can, that causes fear and it is ignorance though. Like right. we're, we're not aware of it, it. That's why I always encourage people to, you know, it kind of our actual, our last podcast was actually about this too. And everything is, you know, and challenge or encourage yourself to make yourself 
educate yourself, make yourself familiar with different communities or cultures, widen your scope, because then when you are being um, exposed to different um, you know, religious beliefs, different cultures. It's not like the shock to your system and you're, you're fearful, fearful because it's different. And sometimes for some reason we think different is scary or different exactly. is bad. That's exactly right. And that's what I chose to do when Ronnie passed away. I wrote on that paper, you know, at least at his funeral, I have to know these people. And so I have spent a lot of pain painstaking time getting to know some of them and i have never been loved i will tell you this is this is the the honest truth you know that time when you, somebody dies and everybody's there for you and then the door shuts after it's all over and then there's that quiet time um other than my children who were always there for me you know and a few few really just very few friends that kept checking on me. Those people were there. All the, Ronnie's friends have been there ever since. And, and doesn't that speak not, volumes too? Yeah. Yeah. And they, and that's what I mean. It's like, and, and a lot of these friends of his, you would look at them and not want to meet them in an alley. You know what I mean? Like they're just, there's some that look, some of the scariest ones are the kindest people like they're just the kindest guys and laugh and choke and they call me mama first and oh I I love that yeah it's just a it's just a a misconception and I'm not saying that amongst those people they're still making bad choices and I know it and I say things to them like their mama stop you know, cut it out. You've got a little child at home. What are you doing? I mean, we have those conversations, but they're just people that need support and love. And some of the, in most cases, in Ronnie's friends' cases, they didn't get a big chance coming out of the womb. There was a lot, you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, there were struggles. Yeah. They, so it's, I've just, I don't know. I've just come a long way. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And, but I, I choose to live right the way I, way I feel good about it. And I don't have hate in my heart. It's helped me heal from his death and, and remember the good times. And they, they help these guys will call me sometimes and some joke that Ronnie did. He's the biggest jokester and prankster. And, um, I have some audio audio um, stuff that was sent to me from some of his friends, just messages on recorders that they would keep because he was so funny. And like, I want to tell one story just because it's so funny. He, one of his friends called me, this is the guy that owns the tattoo shop, Paul. And he said, I've got an audio um, tape that I want to send you. I hope it doesn't bother you. And I'm like, no, it's fine. I'm, I've seen it all. And it was so funny because I guess he would call Paul in the middle of the night. Ronnie didn't sleep well. He's always been that way. And in the middle of the night, he would call people, but he had a message from Paul and it, or from Ronnie that to Paul that said, Paul, you're not answering the phone. <laughs> I'm coming after you. And it's so hilarious. He's <laughs> like, it's so hilarious. And it just. I wouldn't have ever known this side or anything about it if I hadn't opened my heart to these people. And I could have had this funeral with all the white shirts and ties and got all the support. But I tell you right now, I would still be depressed. I would, because I didn't really know 
Ronnie. So I just, I just encourage moms and dads that are struggling with their kids to love them. It doesn't mean that that's going to get them, you know, off the down the right path. Sometimes um, the hardest thing for me was to turn it over to God when I knew I couldn't do anything more for Ronnie. And he was like 19 years old. And I was like, I can't do anything. And it was hard watching your kids make mistakes. But once I started pulling back from discipline and screaming and yelling and fighting and all the, the negative and started being there for him, the mutual respect and love was there that we couldn't have built had I just kept fighting it. And I just happened to be the mom of a kid that had to do it the hard way. And there's a lot of those kids out there and they need to be loved. I think that's really important is no matter if your kid is, you know, um, walking the right path, wrong path, whatever it is, always remembering that unconditional love for your child or your neighbor, or whoever it is, and people need kindness and they need love. And I just wanted to acknowledge something you were saying. I think what's beautiful with Ronnie's friends that you've been able to connect with and build relationships with, I think the beauty is it that your son recognized their human value and you're just continuing on your son's message with that. Right. That's, that's my goal. And, um, I hope that everybody, um, reads my book if it ever gets published. It, <laughs> I'm not will. trying to be negative. I'm Again, not trying to be change negative. your verbiage when it gets published. Bridget would be like, so disappointed. She's going to listen to this and have a little talk with me. I just, oh, I'm just at the, I'm just at the hard part and I'm really kind of, um, learning the hard a hard art of writing, right, Tina? Oh, it's yeah. not easy. It's so hard. No, yeah. I, I know. I tell my kids all the time. I'm like, do you know how hard this is? And they say, if it was easy, everybody would be writing something. So it's true. It's true. <laughs> and your messages and your message needs to be shared though. Yeah. Like I, it doesn't matter if somebody has like a similar situation or walked the, the exact path with you anyone can relate to that and connect with what you're sharing from a parenting perspective and, and any sort of, um, of, you know, uh, struggling with parenting, I could say, cause even my kids are nine and seven. And sometimes I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm the worst mom <laughs> ever. <laughs> and like you played this battle within yourself and it's just like my grace of the last year has been like, am I trying? And I'm giving me that it's like, I'm trying to do good. Do I make it perfect all the time? No. But if I'm trying hell, I, I I'm doing all right then. Yeah. Perfect. Just showing up and being the best you can at that at that time, that oh. day. And that doesn't mean perfection and it doesn't mean bottom of the barrel, but just showing up the best way you can. And, Absolutely. And I think as somebody, I'm go sorry. ahead, Sonia. Somebody asked me one, uh, just not too long ago, if you had one advice to give me and that person was a young mom to give me, what would you say? And I would say that all the cleaning of your house and all of that stuff matters one, not even a minute should you spend if it's taking the time from your kids. Because one thing is they go and they're gone and poof really fast. It goes really <laughs> fast. And and second though, um I watched my daughter-in-law lives with me with my little six-year-old grandson. And I am amazed at the kind of mom she is. She doesn't care about messes and it drives me crazy, you know, <laughs> and she doesn't care about, she, 
that child needs something, she's right there. And I'm not saying doting on him. She's just there to play with him. She's there to, she's present. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And it's so impressive to me. It's impressive. I wasn't the perfect mom like that. I was always worried about, you know, my house being clean and all my laundry and all of that. And, and I wasn't a bad mom, but those, you know, that was just one thing. If I had it to do over again, I'd be in the dirt playing with them. I'd be <laughs> down on the floor playing Legos. I'd be out playing baseball and football and all the things that they like to do. I would have been more with them. It's not that I didn't do those things, but I wasn't, that wasn't my, um, that wasn't my focus. I was trying to be the perfect mom, the perfect house and all of that. It just doesn't matter. So it what would your, so Sonia, what would you say to your younger, your younger self with everything that you you've gone through and that you're, you're continuing on your journey that you're on right now? What, what have you learned or what guidance or advice would you give your younger self with everything that you've learned? Um, to worry less about what other people think of me and to, and what my house, just what I just got through saying. Yeah. And the most important thing is I probably would have been less um, judgmental of my son's choices in terms of just the smallest of little things that he would do that was different than what I wanted my family to look like. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I had me and my choice. I have, I've written this once in, I don't know if it was in part of my book. I just don't remember. I've written so many words. <laughs> I wrote that I wrote something somewhere um, that said that I, my goal, you know, that I used to think that going the second coming and going back to my heavenly father, because I believe in life after death, I would be dragging my kids. They're going to go no matter damn what they're going with me, you know? <laughs> and I, I would, I, I would stop thinking that way and allow my children to be what they want to be with as much guidance, of course, as, as I could give them, but to be more respectful of, of something else, you know, the littlest things sometimes are just don't matter. Like mm -hmm. I remember Ronnie used to write on the walls and in, in art, you know, lots of art and stuff. I get so mad at him. And all I saw was graffiti. What if I would have taken more interest in the art perspective of what, and he loved art. He really did. And, um, was good. He's probably been, I've been told that he's one of the best graffiti artists in Phoenix. And so what if I would have, you know, saw it as an art. Now I'm 60 years old and I see it as art, you know, it's a little late, but yeah. I think that we, I think that is such a good reminder that to take time to celebrate the talents of our children, the talents of mm -hmm. ourselves, um, because when you're talking about that, I just think about my son and, and his music is our theme music for this podcast. And, and he had come to me and, and said he was going to, you know, make a career of music. And, and I think as parents, we get caught for a second that, oh my gosh, does he really, does he really think that he's going to do something? That's like one in a million kind of thing. You're going to end up on stage. And yet just taking the time to recognize his desire, his talent, what his dreams are and let that happen with whatever that looks like for him. And, and I'm just feel so grateful that we get to use one of his songs on our podcast. And, and I Is think it the song that starts with it. Uh-huh. I love that song. I know, so oh, cool. 
How cool is that? Yeah. So I think, you know, sometimes we get caught up in what we think our children's lives look like. And, and like you say, love first and recognizing their talents. Nicole's kids, they, they amaze me, Nicole, your kids amaze me. And I feel like a very blessed mom, but something, um, even from our conversation tonight, Sonia, with you and everything, it just reminds me just from our own, we all can talk about our childhood experiences, but just from my own with how I try to apply my own children, I try to just nurture, nurture who they want to be, not what my expectation is of what, how I think they should be or what they should do. It's I, I see myself compared to how I was raised asking my kids, what do you want to do? Like, what are you passionate about? I I try to have, give them more, I guess, say in what they do and everything, because growing up, I feel like from my own experience, it was kind of like, this is how you're going to be. This is how you should behave. This is how you're going to act. This is how you're supposed to talk and everything. And so, um, kind of, you know, with my own parenting, trying to do a different approach and my kids blow me away too, Tina. I'm like, how did I get these kids? Cause sometimes again, this is the negative talk, but it's like, I'm like, not, a, I could be a better mom <laughs> or my kids deserve better. And it's just kind of, um, the game, you know, again, just gotta be, um, be kinder to ourselves. Cause again, we're trying and parenting is hard. <laughs> yeah. It's the I worst. Would- I'm like, it's a hard and the best at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's the worst it's the and most the best. Rewarding. It it's the most rewarding, but it's super Absolutely. hard. And I can just to speak for myself and super critical. Cause it's like, I don't, you don't want to mess up. Right. Supposedly, or you don't, but I think again, I'm trying and I'm doing my best. And that's all that all of us parents out there, that's all we can do yep. is just try our best. <sighs> And I say to love first, love yourself too, because that's the one thing too that I would say is to, you know, don't be hard on yourselves. Like I do, you know, I thank you. <laughs> even though I go back and I, I go back and I look and I can, I'm critical of the things that I've done. I also want you to know that I know that I did a lot of good stuff too. And I have some pretty amazing kids too. And Ronnie being one of the, like, his siblings just were blown away at the funeral and both of them are doctors. And so they both look at him like he was the same. So he just had it. It's all perspective. It's Mm -hmm. are you rich or are you poor? Are you, you know, it's all perspective. It's the way you look at it. And And I'm just have a different prism in my glass now that I look through and people are a lot more beautiful than they used to be. Well, what a beautiful prism that you have truly. And, um, I'm excited for you to come back when you publish your book. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we can talk about your Great. book you publish. Um, before we let you go, though, I wanted to talk to you about what what what's, what exciting things do you have planned for the future? You've got your book planned. What other things that are exciting that are on the horizon for you? I have a, this even, you know, it's, I wouldn't say it's more than a book, but it's a pressing thing that an idea that came to me um, because of Tina, honestly, um, we were roommates about six months ago in another retreat. Another life. And, <laughs> yeah. And she was just getting her podcast started. And I was like, podcasts, I just started listening to podcasts. You know, I'm old, I'm a little slow. And I, and anyway, she, I was listening to her and I went home and I started thinking about it. And I'm like, 
better than a writer, better than anything on earth. If you ask my children and my husband, what does she do the best? Talk, I talk, <laughs> talk, 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 talk. I'm a storyteller. I love, I could sit here all night long and talk to you about anything you wanted to. So I thought, wait, what, how could I do good for others and help others through a podcast? This is the up and coming, you know, people love to listen to podcasts. So I was like thinking on the same message as my book, I wanted to show like a contrast that two people can be friends from two different walks of life. So one of Ronnie's best friends, his name is, his real name is is Will O'Neill. He goes by jerk, spelt with G-E-R-K. He's he's one of the finest graffiti artists I've ever seen in my life. True bottom talent that he can draw like you wouldn't believe. And he's agreed to be a co-host with me on a podcast. And we're coming up with a name right now. We're not quite sure. But the whole idea is the uh, um, two worlds colliding. That's one of the names that would come up. We're not sure. But um, showing how he is not Christian. He doesn't even know if he believes in God. I'm big time Christian. I wouldn't call myself a Bible belt person, but I, you know, I am a Christian. I believe in it. So that's a big, uh, big aspect. Um, when you look at him physically, he's a big burly guy with tattoos all over him and I love him. And we're going to come up with some really interesting topics from everything from prison to, you know, how moms pray for their kids. I mean, we just want to just come up with all kinds of things to show that all walks of life pass each other you know they're just they're the crop there's just nothing different about the black family down in the ghetto and the white family on the rich hill other than money there's nothing different in their walks and their lives and desires other than culture and money but their desires and everything are the same and we just want to show that we just want to show that across the board people are worried about the same kind of topics and and talk about them so that's our idea that's one of the things on the horizon and I'm also looking at uh, some kind of nonprofit work to provide, um, to try to raise funds to provide scholarships to kids on the streets that are artists and see if I can get them in art schools or something to get them off the streets. I think that's beautiful. Through the power of storytelling is where connection and change happens, I think. Absolutely. And so I think it's amazing whenever people, you know, are sharing their stories. And so I think it's going to be exciting. And when you do launch your podcast, please make sure you let us know so we can be an ally and support you guys in what you're doing, because the more that we're talking and connecting people, that's, you know, hopefully where change will start coming from the positive changes that we want to see in our communities. Thank you very much. I like that. Thank you. I really do like your podcast and it really has grown. Like I really, your format is just getting stronger. You can just tell you guys are really clicking. And so I'm hoping we can do that with me and Will. He's not hope you will. (laughs) We're watching you guys. (laughs) No, I, again, I think the most important thing is just doing it honestly. And that's what you guys are going to do. And you'll find your own, your own, your own um, rhythm and everything, but your story needs to be shared. Your book's going to be transformative for people and just connecting and people you're going to help people 
be seen and the emotions that they're going through that there's somebody else who's experiencing what I've went through or understands where I'm coming from with my struggles. And again, through that community and connection is where healing can happen and transformation too in people's lives. So your story is beautiful and dare to rise and is so grateful that we were able to share your story and talk about your amazing son. And I just am excited to watch your guys's journey and your book and your podcast and, um, and, we're just excited to have you a part of our Dare to Rise family. So we're really appreciative that you came on tonight and shared your story with us. Thank you so much, Nicole. And thank you, Tina. You're welcome. We'll make sure and put all the social media links and uh, contact information when we drop this pod and um, so that people can reach out to you and, and uh, track, track you, track your progress. Thank you. Thank you. That will help a lot. Thanks a lot. Well, Tina Kay, that was another amazing conversation that we were, we had tonight with Sonia. Don't you think? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm feeling a little somber, I guess, you know, just the, the things that we experience and go through, um, the heartache, the the heartache, yeah, heartache and tragedy and, and what she's doing to make a difference from that, um, from that grief that she feels and bringing people together and not looking at differences, but looking at our similarities, um, breaking down some of those boundaries. I think that we put up when we look at our own identity and what we look at when we see others and breaking down those boundaries to see people with that prism that she talked about. That was beautiful. Oh, I agree with you. I I just think it's always amazing how in anything we really can find, you know, a silver lining or, you know, a positive, um, a positive somewhere, even in our darkest of tragedy. And I think it's beautiful how she's using her tragedy, her grief, her pain, um, to create something beautiful. Her story is, I think already, already for myself, I can say has been inspiring and been impactful. And I'm excited for when she does publish her book and Mm -hmm. and starts her format and her platform, because it's really going to connect people in a way that our society needs to heal in those ways. And I just think it was not, I believe it was just so important. What she just kept talking about is just stop judging people on the, on the outer Mm -hmm. And I think that was pretty humbling for her when she was like getting to know these people on a more deeper level. Like these people are beautiful. They're like kind, beautiful inside. They're loving. They have hope. They have dreams. They have aspirations. We're, we, we are the same. Mm -hmm. And I think what a, what a profound, um, kind of realization for her to be able to come back with that. And I just, I challenge everybody not to judge books by their cover. That may sound silly, but truly don't judge people by an outward. We don't really know what's going on inside or kind of the journey that they've walked. Yeah. It's definitely love first. I love that. So that could be our call to action is to love first. Yep, definitely. Nicole, as always, it's a pleasure chatting with you and going through these experiences with all of our great guests. So thank you. Oh no. Thank you. (laughs) With you, without you, with me, without me. Oh, always. And I I do have to just say it truly is an honor for every person that we've been able to Mm -hmm. share the platform with, because I feel like person, I have, it makes me a better person. Every conversation I take away 
a different perspective or where something I need to work on or just a better person walking away from each conversation. And so I just appreciate every person that we've been able to talk to. And um, it, I just, I'm very humbled tonight with mm-hmm. what we were able to discuss with Sonia, but for all of our listeners, you know, please love first and then always, always remember to dare to rise. Dare to rise. Riding downtown in New York City. I know you want to be there. I bring Dizzy you away. Party in the club like that track from Fitty. Cause life is so good. Let's go and vibe with me. Riding downtown in New York City. I know you want to be there. I bring you with me. This is what I'm doing. Tell me that you want to do it with me. This is what